and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, episode 14, Crush. And I'm just trying to play it cool now, but that's not what I want to do now. And I'm not trying to be with you now. You now. But I could be your crush, like throw you for a rush, like hoping you'd text me so I could tell you I've been thinking about your touch. Ooh. For those people who know, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but... Um... <laughs> I'll tell you later, Steph. Okay, great. Great, great. Um, yeah, this is quite the episode. This is this episode's tough. <laughs> and I think you and I talked about it briefly before we started recording, and then we're like, let's hit record because we're already getting into it. But yeah, wrapping my head around this episode was a bit of a mindfuck because I enjoyed it, but there are so many aspects of it, the spike of it all that are throwing me for a loop. It's like every version of Spike you can imagine is in this episode. And uh, I don't know where where we're going to be at the end after we're done talking about it. It feels like this episode was listening to the, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode was like, I know what Prophecy Girls needs. <laughs> I, need, I know what they it's need. It's been listening to us talk about Spike and what's going on with Buffy. And it's like, We've heard your concerns. Let's raise your concerns. And we're going to make them worse. Yeah, let's raise them. (laughs) (laughs) I I see your worry. (laughs) All of your worst Uh, fears are confirmed. Yeah, yeah. You you girls have known that it's leading somewhere. Here's your worst nightmare of where we think it's going to lead. Um... Yeah, so, so let's let's talk about something else before we get into the episode, though. So today is February 2nd. We all know that we are recording on an accelerated schedule right now. But uh, Troll dropped today. Troll, oh my god, Triangle, it's called. <laughs> but I've been calling it the Troll episode. And <laughs> the amount of, let's call it feedback, let's call it constructive feedback from our listeners who are like, Steph, you're wrong. This is a great episode. <laughs> Has been humbling. And I was expecting that. I was. And I just, I think it's funny because sometimes it makes me wonder if I, if you and I, Kara, had watched it together, right? And maybe if I was in a different mood when watching an episode, maybe if like circumstance were different in the external factors of my life, perhaps like, and same with you, like perhaps that's how you take in an episode, right? And then when you record that day, you and I can be in a mood. You and I can be in a really giggly mood sometimes, often. Sometimes that changes, you know, the way that you think about an episode. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked the episode, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm, I, I understand you're the majority, okay? <laughs> <laughs> As always. Uh, um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I would have enjoyed watching it with you. I think you always have great comments when we watch stuff together. Although I will say, I think there's also something to be said for the two of us watching these episodes separately, partly because, you know, I know you tend to watch them a couple of times to make your very meticulous notes and such. But 
sometimes if we do the commentary as we watch the episode, then we may not always have as much to say when we actually record, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's interesting. That's an interesting point that you bring up. Yeah, I don't know. I just I liked Triangle for what it was. I'm not I'm not going to cl- claim that it's a fantastic episode. I just thought it was a nice middle of the season kind of episode to move us into the next phase and you know we started to get into some heavier stuff in the last couple of episodes and now now we have whatever this is we have whatever this is uh yep yep it just hey the the feedback just made me think i was like why why was why do i not like it and i'm like maybe it could have been the day of you know but on this day of when i watch this episode just so many emotions every scene is gonna feel different so let's get into it. Let's just also add that this is obviously the 14th episode of the season. Uh, Valentine's Day, right? I think this is this probably came out around Valentine's Day. We got the return of Spoice. I got a lot of things to say about Spoice in this episode. So good. Oh, yeah. So that was a I, joy. I, yeah, I, w- I want to say we're going to be very critical of Spike in this episode with good reason. I want to be clear. That doesn't mean we think this is a bad episode. Or even necessarily that the writers are doing a bad job here with how they're portraying all these various relationships. I actually think this is a very good episode because they spend a lot of time talking about it from various angles. I have a couple of critiques of what the writers do, Mm -hmm. but by and large, you know, my criticism of Spike is going to be criticism of him as a character, not criticism of how he's being written, which is not always the case. So... You know, it it is important to to understand those distinctions when we are talking about, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like, and how we're coming at our analysis here. This is the first episode where I think we're really going to get a chance to talk about Angel versus Spike, and that has come up in the past, obviously, but not to the degree that I think it's going to come up here because the show brings it up a lot. In this episode. Like I said, the show has been listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for you and I to once again say the Prophecy Girls <laughs> analyze the show, the characters, the storylines of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer through a modern feminist lens. Right? That's how we base our opinions. That's, that's what we're here to do. So that's why 99% of the time we're looking out for Buffy here. And that's why all this time... We get salty about Spike because we're going to see in this very episode, the way he treats our heroine doesn't make us happy. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, the bronze is open and fixed, Kara. The troll did not break the bronze completely. The troll has left the building and a new bronze is here. I don't see the difference. I don't know if you do. Okay, so my only theory at this point is that whoever owns the bronze has to be supernatural in some way. They have to be a supernatural creature or have supernatural connections because A, how do you get everything fixed so quickly? Mm-hmm. Right? Like it takes time, especially for like insurance payments and contractors and stuff. And then B, why? Why do you keep doing this? Why wouldn't you just move to a town with less hellmouth? The answer is you either don't want to or you can't. You're stuck there, right? Like whoever is in charge of the bronze is running the show. They got to be in on the supernatural angle. It's the only explanation. I hope it's to <laughs> The bronze <laughs> is just a friend for vengeance demonry. Yeah. 
That's what, that's what I think. Uh, so Anya, Xander, Willow, and Tara are all dancing on the dance floor. It's it's bumping in there. But Buffy is not dancing with them. She's watching from their seats because I can only assume Kara is because she's single. And you know what? Single people cannot dance with their friends who are in relationships. This is true. Everyone knows that. It's also just showing how isolated Buffy has been, not just this season, but like in general. Whenever and also whenever Buffy's single, she's a little bit melancholy, isn't she? Buffy's having her sad girl winter. It's it's all good. <laughs> We've all been there. So Spike comes over and he says, "Bleeding crime is what it is. Jacking up the bar price to pay for it." fixing the sinkhole not my fault the insurance doesn't cover act of troll and he sits with buffy and he's got a beer and he's dressed differently cara have you noticed he's dressed very riley casual isn't he yeah uh, for a moment <laughs> because of the way the the shirt opened to reveal the black t-shirt underneath I, it almost looked like he was wearing a tie and i'm like what is going on <laughs> he looks like he's trying to dress like xander if xander were actually dressing like a grown-up does that make sense no i think he looks like he's dressing like xander if xander were dressing like riley <laughs> oh my god yes it's fucked up yeah yeah it is he sits down with buffy and he mentions also that remember that onion the blooming onion that he loves he says that's no longer on the menu so he's upset about it but um okay so he is wearing these different clothes and we can just say now that like he's trying on this new <laughs> nice guy i'm a good guy i'm a i'm not evil persona right because he's trying to impress buffy everything's about buffy not evil spike is boring <laughs> is this what they mean by bad boys being more fascinating <laughs> Because I'm getting it. <laughs> You're like, oh, I kind of see the appeal now. My thing, though, okay, and I've talked about this before. James Marsters is older than the rest of the cast. And he is... You don't say. You don't... You really... Um, yeah, I'm, on, I'm aware that Spike's supposed to be 140. But the actor is, I think, about 39 or 40 here when he did this episode. And I've talked about this last season, too. And I just... I think it's always distracted me. So... When he actually wears these kind of clothes <laughs> and you see less of his physique, which is obviously very in shape, um, he looks older to me. So in this episode, he looked he looked his age to me. And that's a, little, a couple years older than you and I, Kara. Nothing wrong with being 39 or 40. It's just that's always distracted me from whenever Spike interacts with Buffy, who Sarah Michelle Gellar, who happens to look very young. So Spike's trying out this casual conversation with Buffy. And uh, she's bewildered. She's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you at this table talking to me like we're some kind of talking buddies? But legit, right? Like, all of their interactions up until this point have been one side of hostile or the other. They don't have an order. Here Spike just, he just plopped himself down. He thinks he's just going to chat with the Slayer. Like, I, I can really see it from Buffy's perspective of like, this is weird. This is weird, right? You saw that. Did you see that? Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. This is a weird interaction. And that's the funny thing, too, is because when I said earlier, like the Spike versus Angel stuff, I've been on social media. You know, Car, I've been creating content for our channels for two years now. Oh, I thought I told you not to do that stuff. <laughs> You're like, stop, stop that right now. Um, I can't help it. I'm addicted. But I, I do that. And for two years, I've been reading the comments and the discussions that happen around that content. And I've seen people talk about this episode before. In this scene, people are like, Buffy's kind of being mean. Like, she, like B Spike's just trying to be friendly. But I'm with you, Kara. Uh, what is this? When Spike's not, like, belittling her appearance or trying to kill her <laughs> or um, telling her how useless she is, 
he's never here trying to make small talk. And she's calling him out, right? So he says, I saw you sitting here and thought you could do with a bit of company. And she just stares at him. And he's like, well, suit yourself. But then before he leaves, he says, we took on that glory chippy together. And I, and you know, I was there right with you with, with the fighting, with fighting the fight. And Buffy says, you were actually sleeping the sleep because <laughs> he was knocked unconscious. And Spike says, that's, you know, points for intent. Wouldn't that be enough to cut me a sliver of slack? Earn me a little consideration, respect? And I was like, I don't think it does, Spike. I think it could. But my question would be, why do you care, Spike? I mean, we know why. Well, you know why. This episode reveals why. why, But that's what Buffy should be asking herself at this point, right? It's like, why does Spike care? Scooby show up. Xander kicks Spike out of his seat. Spike spills his drink a bit and leaves. Xander says it's payday, so he's going to pay for the drinks. But then he realizes that Spike stole his money off the table. And Buffy points out um, that Willow is still getting her headaches from her transportation spell that she did in Blood Ties. And Willow says... Um, that they don't have a lot of arsenal, right, to fight Glory. So, you know, if they have another run-in with her, then her headaches and nosebleeds are, will, will be the least of their problems. So this is just the show's way of quickly acknowledging that they can't teleport Glory away every time they run into her. That was a one-time uh, deal. <laughs> yeah, or Willow will die. <laughs> so Buffy doesn't want to talk about Glory, right? And Tara says, okay, yeah, let's call she who must not be named another name. Let's call her. And then Buffy says, Ben! Because sexy Ben the intern is sitting nearby. Uh, This is very clever, right? Because we learned in the last episode that Glory and Ben have something to do with each other. (laughs) Yes. It's not entirely clear how, but we know there is some kind of connection. So Buffy goes over to Ben, as would I, and (laughs) they flirt about his wardrobe not being hospital robes, and Buffy thanks him for looking out for Dawn. New thing. I need you to rate the flirting now. So, like, how... How are each of these people doing on their flirt game? So I think Buffy started out with like a very innocent beginning to the conversation. And it's Ben who took it to the flirty level being like, oh, I've got more than just scrubs at home. You know what I mean? Like, Was I that a good joke? It's Well, he's hot. So hot people can say whatever they want. <laughs> like, honestly, he could have talked about like vampire pooping and I would have been there to hear. Well, I would have been there anyway. Can okay, Ben this, come talk this to is me? Valuable perspective. Thank you. <laughs> so if it was like Xander talking about this, we'd be like, shut up, Xander. But you know, like Ben's cute. So when when Buffy brings up the fact that Don saw him before, you know, he left, I think he at first was like worried that she was gonna say, like, oh, I know that you're glory. Yeah, he bristles and he's like preparing yeah. for something, you know, to reveal him. And then when Buffy makes it clear that she doesn't remember there's a connection between Ben and Glory. Uh, you can see that he visibly relaxes. Yeah, exactly. So we cut away from them. Xander is confronting Spike at the bar about stealing his money. He's like, I work hard for the money. Spike says, you're saying I didn't? And Xander's like, you stole it. And Spike says, and you're making it very hard work, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, to, to be fair here, I am on Spike's side in that if Xander was unprepared enough to just leave his money lying around on a table in the bronze free game spike's welcome to it like at this point xander what were you expecting yeah exactly so xander starts like talking to spike about his chip and how xander could hurt him but spike's not paying attention he's looking over at buffy flirting with ben and he says yeah like you could ever hurt me so we cut to a sunnydale train station cara this blew my mind all right we've never seen the train station that's what i have in my notes i'm like sunnydale (laughs) has a train station now ferry bus station airport 
And now a train station. There's so many ways to get into Sunnydale. Thanks, Mayor. Or get out of it, hopefully. (laughs) Well, it's the last stop. So... (laughs) Yes, but the train goes the other way, Steph. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) They all just pile up at the end. Listeners, please write in to tell Steph how trains work. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Uh, The train... Okay, the train stops, and there's the officer, the train... I call... Is it train officer? What are their names? Train conductor. So, yeah, it's unclear. He seems to be dressed like a conductor, although the connection I made here, because this guy's black, so yay, another black character on Buffy. (laughs) Yay! And, of course, he immediately gets killed. Um, Of course. And so whether or not he is a conductor, what I was thinking about was the uh, the Pullman Porters. History with Kara. Uh, so back around the time of the American Civil War, uh, you know, trains were even bigger than they are these days. And in the U.S. and also in Canada, being a porter on a on a sleeping car train, so a train where people would sleep over the duration of of the journey between cities. Uh, that job was exclusively for black people. Um, and, and they were called Pullman Porters because um, George Pullman's company was the one that kind of introduced the practice. Um, so there is this lengthy history of black porters on trains in Canada and the States. You know, I, I don't really want to get into all of the details of how it's connected to you know, like racism and civil rights and everything. But that's what I thought of when I saw this black man dressed as a, a conductor or porter or whatever going onto the train to check on all the white folks. Mm. And then he gets killed, right? So it's like, I don't know if the writers were aware of the connection that they were making there, but it was very fascinating to me. And I'm just like, you know, we come at Buffy for the racism, for the the lack of diversity, but the fact that nobody in the room was like, Maybe the first black character we've had since, like, what was Forrest the last one? <laughs> oh no! Right, like maybe maybe uh... the first black character we've had since Forrest shouldn't be in a kind of a servant type service role and then be killed off within thirty seconds. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, good point. So yeah, sure enough, he dies. So he goes inside the train because no one gets off, and he just finds numerous dead bodies of people um and there's blood everywhere and suddenly something starts chasing him he's like oh god no someone help and this thing so he tries to run off the train and whatever it is pulls him back on from behind we don't see what it is but i got jurassic park vibes (laughs) from that from the very first scene of jurassic park so ooh, something scary came to sunnydale cut to credits at the summer's home, Buffy comes in and Giles, Joyce, and Dawn, they're all hanging out in the living room. I was like, this is so cute. This is the family we've always needed and deserved. And Buffy says it, that her night out was fun, except for Willow's headaches and Spike's cameo appearance. Dawn notes that Spike was there. And Buffy says, unfortunately, Joyce is relieved that Buffy is home. And she's like, I wasn't feeling safe with you gone. And Giles is like, ow. <laughs> But she's like that. She's like, no, no, no. Then I remembered Rupert was here and I felt much safer. And Giles agrees that, you know, he's no adequate adequate substitute for a slayer in the house. As he heads out, Buffy asks how Dawn is. And Giles says she's coping extremely well, considering everything. And Buffy says that they're going easy on her this week, letting things slide. Giles tells her that's unwise. The best thing you can do is behave as they always have. Any special treatment at this stage is likely to undermine Dawn's sense of normality. Buffy's like, really? 
okay, thanks. And then she's like, Dawn. She like yells at Dawn for borrowing her clothes. And Dawn says she never touched her stuff. And Buffy's like, then what happened to my blue cashmere sweater? And what happened to that sweater, Kara? The sweater was taken by none other than Spike. Um, We're in Spike's crypt. He is sniffing the sweater, which maybe I'm going to maybe I'm wrong here. I think that sniffing like a sweater is the same level of ick for me as sniffing underwear. I understand that underwears is more intimate, right? So it's like, oh, like that touches like intimate parts. But it's like, so you've stolen her clothes, right? You're sniffing it. Like to me, the intimacy is in the action, not in the item of clothing. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, It's up there with me with the groping and the stalking outside and the stealing of photos. It's just, it's all creepy. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so while Smike, Smike, <laughs> Joik, <laughs> while Spike is sniffing the sweater, uh, Harmony interrupts him. Yay, Harmony's back. That made me happy. And looking sexy. If you say so. Um, <laughs> she's in, uh, like a nightie and she's like, she's trying to like get all seductive and Spike's like, I'm not in the mood. Can't you see I'm busy sniffing a sweater? Come on. <laughs> so Harmony's like getting all up in his space and crawling all over him and stuff. Um, she's like, oh, you know, maybe we could play a game. <laughs> Cut to Harmony wearing the sweater and playing Buffy. She's got a stake out <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh, no, I'm going to stake you. I'm coming after you, you bad, evil vampire. I'm going <laughs> to slay you. I'm sneaking up and I'm going to stake you so much with my slaying <laughs> powers that I have because I'm the chosen one and like. All credit to Mercedes McNabb for playing Harmony, playing Buffy. So funny. This is hilarious. Yeah, like, it's like, so funny. And I, I feel sorry for Harmony. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get more into that into either in this scene or later scenes. I feel sorry for her. But kudos to her for going along with Spike's kink. These other issues aside, right? I'm not here to kink shame people. So like if your kink is having somebody that you want to do role play with dress up as somebody else and you know you want to be a vampire pretending to be dressed up by this like this like that's all good right like that's not my criticism here i just oh spike my man so the question is and i don't see how it could possibly be anything else but does harmony know she's being buffy or does she think she's just being a slayer does she know that's buffy's shirt i love that you're asking this question because i think if it were any vampire other than harmony we'd say it must be obvious but yes, yes. i think this is a legit question <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> um, i don't think Har- i don't think harmony knows it's buffy's sweater although you would think she'd be able to smell buffy on it i think that she knows yeah she knows she's buffy I think she knows that Spike's into Buffy, but she's in denial. And she just wants him to want her. Yes. Well, the thing about Harmony being a bimbo, right, is bimbos are very good at compartmentalization. Harmony is not an idiot. It's not that bimbos aren't smart. It's just that bimbos take everything they know and they file it away in a little drawer, right? And they don't let themselves think about that stuff because it's going to make your brain hurt, right? Like, you know, Harmony wants the world to be simpler than it actually is. And to do that, she has to ignore all the obvious things, all the red flags and everything. And that that's what it means for her to be a bimbo. It's not that she's a dumb person. It's that she is trying to live in a better world. It's actually really kind of sweet. 
it just sucks that the result is she gets taken advantage of. Yeah, and it's also what she wants overall for the night is for Spike to pay attention to her and have sex with her. So she doesn't mind probably doing this just because she does end up getting what she wants. Right. And that that's what I was getting at with like, you know, this is fine as far as like kink goes, in my yeah. opinion. Um, if, if Harmony is consenting, you know, if she's like, sure, if this is what I need to do to help you get off and then you help me get off. Great. Like this is, you know, they can negotiate that like two adults. But yeah, Spike, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're pretty far gone at this point, aren't you? How are we going to come back from this? I don't know. But we cut to UC Sunnydale. And amazingly, Tara, Willow, and Buffy are all taking the same course. Some sort of literature course. Uh, what are their majors? Like, girls. Like, so all your it, courses this year. It could be literature, but it could also still be this history thing that they're doing. Because, like, they were doing Greek art history and whatever, right? And they were doing the Crusades. This could be, like... French. Uh, French yeah. stuff, right? Like, like maybe they're reading The Hunchback of Notre Dame to discuss, like, Victor Hugo and um, the Enlightenment, right? And that period of French history. I don't know. It could could be, could be. Um, but what's, it's interesting, this scene, because Tara describes Quasimodo's actions in that in that book and they're mimicking Spike's storyline this this episode with the description right she says Quasimodo's actions were selfishly motivated he had no moral compass no understanding of right everything he did he did out of love for a woman who would never be able to love him back also you can tell it's not going to have a happy ending when the main guy's all bumpy oof a little bit of ableism there not necessarily from Tara I guess because she's just commenting on yeah <laughs> how books like this were written but yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i've never read the hunchback of neutral dom so I, I can't really comment on what it's actually like well i'm like buffy i, I watched the disney movie <laughs> <laughs> and it is terrifying so i don't want to read the book but she notices a guy with a newspaper and she grabs it from him and the headline is six found murdered on train in sunnydale station once again the newspaper in this town is <laughs> on the ball no, they are the quickest in the West, I tell you. Uh, Tara asks if it's glory. Buffy says, trauma to the throats. Servi says, vampire. <sighs> so a vampire is coming out of the floor of his crypt. It's Spike. I didn't realize there was an underground area. Did they add it this episode? I think they did. Yeah, you know, he got the contractors in after they were done the bronze. <laughs> yeah, they worked really quick. And after they finished cleaning up the trolls mess around town, Dawn is there. And, so um, the way that the, the scene is shot, right, the way it's framed, we're just seeing Dawn from the back, just like half her body. The only way you can, like, I think you're initially supposed to think it's Buffy because Buffy, we leave off on Buffy in the last scene. We think she's going to spike for information. But the only way you can tell it's Dawn and not Buffy is if you pay attention for the split second that she's in the shot, you can see that her hair is much longer. Mm -hmm. Spike is basically like, uh, what are you doing here? Does Buffy know you're here? Dawn says, um, nothing would make Buffy happier than to find out I'm hanging out after school in a vampire's lair, especially yours. So Spike's like, well, then go home. And Dawn says, I don't feel like it. And Spike says, you can't stay here. I've got things to do. Bad, evil things that are not for child's eyes. He's not being very convincing in his delivery. <laughs> I know. And Dawn says, I'm not a child. I'm not even human. Not originally. And Spike's like, yeah, originally I was. And I got over it. It doesn't matter how you start out. And Don's like, that's smart. I get it. And then Don admits to him that she likes talking to him. You talk to me like I can understand things. Everyone else is being all twitchy and secretive. And Spike's like, well, they're probably just trying to keep you safe. 
And Don's like, I feel safe with you. And Spike chokes on his cigarette smoke. And Kara, if I, I, I wish the listeners could see your face, where we're both just like, Ugh. I almost spit out my tea when I was watching the episode. <laughs> so you had the same reaction Spike had to that comment. <laughs> Except Spike says, take that back, because obviously that takes away from his, I guess, evil manhood. His bad boy persona, right? (laughs) When you have a 14-year-old girl telling you that she feels safe with you, you've lost it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you and I are losing it because we're like, oh, God, get away from him. So Don says the whole superpower thing, and you're just as tough as Buffy, maybe tougher. No. Um, Buffy thinks so, too. (laughs) So Spike says she does, and Don's like she's always worried about what you'll she'll do if if you get that chip out of your head. Spike is interested in this, obviously, and he's like, "What else does Buffy say about me?" So those are lies, Don. Lies. I don't think Buffy's ever told you those things, but I do like the dynamic between Spike and Don. Something they introduced, obviously, in Blood Ties. Because we haven't seen too many scenes of the two of them up until that episode. And now they're continuing to develop that relationship. And it is fun to watch. I think that, well, we've always said Spike has chemistry with everybody. But it's fun to watch Spike and Dawn scenes and their growing uh, connection to each other. I agree. We go back to Buffy's house. Buffy's coming inside and she's, you know, calling out. She's like, hey, hello. And we hear Joyce saying, Dawn? <laughs> and you can see Buffy's expression change when she realizes that means Dawn is not home. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joyce is a little worried and Buffy's like, you know, don't worry, like I'll find her. And Joyce is like, well, I, I heard about people getting murdered. <laughs> Welcome to Sunnydale, Joyce. Um, you know, like, honestly, at this point, I don't understand why Joyce. OK, I guess I guess my question is, did Buffy tell Joyce about Dawn and the hospital and Glory? Um, yeah, I think so. So, like, why wouldn't Joyce's reaction immediately be, okay, the two of us are going to pack a bag and go somewhere else, and you can deal with this mess, Buffy. Like, um, and I was thinking about Joyce. this, and maybe not for this episode, but um, a previous episode. I think it was when Buffy said to Giles, Giles suggested, should we send Don away to Hank? And I was like, or maybe you, Giles, because Anya can watch the store. Someone take Don away. Like, Glory's in Sunnydale looking for her. Just take her away. I I just, you know, Joyce's attitude in this scene, she clearly wants to protect Don from being murdered. Your your daughter has actively got tangled up with a god at this point, Joyce. I'm just saying, like, maybe the solution is to leave Sunnydale. All right. And the solution would also be to stop inviting people in (laughs) willy-nilly. Which we know she does want to do. She has not learned her lesson, as we will see in a few scenes. Yes. Yes. Um, So anyway, (laughs) Buffy has to go find Don. Where does Buffy go to find Don? Well, we don't know yet. But first, we see that it's now nighttime. Um, Spike is sitting with Don on top of his little coffin thing in his crib. Sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. And he's telling her a story of this terrifying murder that he committed <laughs> a long time ago, I'm assuming. And she's totally scared. It's like t- he's telling her a ghost story that's like his story. And um, Spike's like, oh, yeah, I killed them all really quick. But then someone was missing and, they're, you know, it's supposed to be this little girl. So I get real quiet and I hear a little sigh coming from the coal. But it's like really well done. <laughs> and Don is like obviously riveted. And then right before he gets to what he did with that little girl, uh, Buffy bursts through the door. Right. And she's like, Spike, I'm looking for. Her. And then she sees Don is there. And she's like, what the hell is this? 
What is she doing here? And Don says, I'm just hanging out. Can you please let him finish the story? Then you can do the lecture thing. And Buffy's like, yeah, okay, let's hear the story that Spike is telling my little sister. And she glares at him. And Spike is like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I knew the girl was in the coal bin, so I rip it open very violently. I haul her out of there, and I give her to a good family in a nice home where they'll never, ever be mean to her, and I didn't lock her in the coal bin. <laughs> I think this is interesting because I think what we're seeing in this scene is kind of how, like, a lot of adolescent girls are very fascinated by, like, the darkness. Yes. Like, I think that's what a movie like The Craft really taps into, where it's like, as long as it's not directly happening to you, you can put up with a lot of really dark shit, like, hearing about it. And that's, that's what's happening here, is it's like, yeah, like you said, Spike is literally telling Don about people he killed, and Don's like... Tell me more. Yeah, well, it's also why we watch horror movies, right? That's why I read thriller novels and stuff. Like, it's just it's just fun and fascinating. So Spike says to um, Buffy that I was just about to send her home. I know, I because I knew you'd be fretting. I'm just trying to be good, Buffy. Just trying <laughs> yeah. to be a good boyfriend. I was worried about you, Buffy. And Buffy's like, Don, get your stuff. We're out of here. And when they get outside, Buffy starts lecturing Don. She's like... Crypt plus vampire equals bad. Like, what part of that don't you get? Don says, yeah, because because it was Spike. And Buffy says, hanging out with Spike is not cool. It's dangerous and icky. Truth. <laughs> and Don says, um, I don't think Spike's icky. And Buffy, like, looks at her and she's like, you have a crush on him. And Don says, no, I don't. He's got cool hair and he wears a cool leather jacket and he doesn't treat me like an alien. And Buffy says, he's a killer, Don. You cannot have a crush on something that is dead and evil and a vampire. And Don says, right. That's why you you were never with Angel for three years. And Buffy says, Angel's different. He has a soul. And Don says, Spike has a chip. Same diff. Ooh, okay. So this was my first note of the Angel versus Spike debate um, that the Summer Sisters are going on here. Clearly, Buffy is Team Angel. <laughs> and Don is on Spike's team. So when Don says Spike has a chip, same diff. Like, I've seen people use this quote before in our comment sections, Kara. Like, they say, like, just like Don said, like, Spike has a chip. Therefore, like, it's the same thing as having a soul. It is not. <laughs> tell me tell me your thoughts on this, Steph. <laughs> tell me what you really think. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't want to be biased. I don't want to be unbiased. <laughs> but no, I'm just, like, Don's a child, number one. When she was telling Riley about... Buffy and Angel's relationship back in Shadow, you and I were like, Riley, why are you listening to her? She's a child. She doesn't know what actually happened. She was like 10 when that happened. So her spelling out why the chip and the soul are the same thing is automatically incorrect and unfounded. <laughs> so, and Buffy sees right through it. But I think at the end of the day, for people who don't seem to understand, the chip is exactly like what Buffy describes it as later. It's like a serial killer being kept in prison. It's not the same as actually feeling remorse or guilt or having a conscience that makes you feel something when you hurt somebody or you kill somebody. It doesn't tell you how to be morally right or wrong. How do you know, though? How do you know that having that, that a soul is not just a metaphysical form of a chip? Is that not what a soul is? Is not your soul the only thing stopping you from being evil? 
or more evil than you already are. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're Team Don here. Um, <laughs> I'm not Team Don. I'm just pointing <laughs> out that, like, although I don't think Don has a well-founded philosophical argument to back up her assertion here, I think there is more to this debate than we might think on the surface. I think it's very easy to dismiss the assertion out of hand. I understand. I completely understand where you're coming from, and, and mm-hmm. I'm not seriously trying to argue this. But from a philosophical perspective, right, and I think a lot of this show, thanks to Angel, has tackled philosophy around what does it mean to have a soul? What is a soul? And how does that relate to our sense of morality and ethics? And and so I think it is valid for us to ponder, right, like, if we're looking at from maybe a utilitarianist perspective, right, what is the functional difference between having a soul versus having the chip in your head? Both are qualities that one has that influence one's actions based on perceived uh, reward or punishment. And in the case of a soul, it is emotional pain. It is a guilty conscience. In the case of Chip, it is physical pain. But in both cases, the idea is to prevent the uh, the person possessing the soul or the Chip from misbehaving, right? So. Yeah. I think, you know, if somebody wanted to make an argument along those lines, it would be interesting to kind of take that and consider that. I don't think that's what Don's doing, and I'm not sure that's exactly what most of the people who adopt her argument are doing. But I, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's interesting. And I think that's fair. And I think there is perhaps there's another platform or episode that will allow us to have more of those philosophical debates about the chip versus the soul. But in the context of what Buffy and Don are arguing about here, whether or not it's icky that Don is hanging out with Spike and her excuse is that he's got a chip, therefore it's okay to hang out with him because she hung out with Angel, that doesn't sit right with me. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, hey, let's take a step back for a second. Buffy met Angel when she was 16 years old. Just like Don, she had a crush on him. He was, remember when we met Angel and I also had a crush on him, Kara, uh, because he was a bad boy. He had his leather jacket, cool hair, just like Don is saying here, right? He's got cool hair. He's got a leather jacket. Um, he would show up, give some give some half-baked information, and then leave. Sometimes he'd leave his jacket behind for Buffy to wear. Like, that's hot. I get it. But the difference is Angel was not trying to actively murder or tear down Buffy every chance he got when Buffy met him. Whereas Spike has been doing that since they met him three years ago. Right. That's the difference here. Yeah. Spike and Buffy have a a, a very different history from Buffy and Angel. A, a much more toxic history where Spike's literally tried to murder her this very season. He tried to murder her. So that is why I think... When Dawn says Spike has a chip is the same difference. Like, no wonder Buffy gets so annoyed because she's like, you're you're completely misreading the situation because you have a crush. Right. And yes, John is not the best person to have this debate with Buffy because, like you said, Dawn, I'm not trying to say Dawn is too young to talk about this stuff because I, I think it's worthwhile having philosophical conversations with teenagers, even if it might be a little frustrating. Yeah. But Dawn is not old enough to remember what the Buffy versus Angel time was like. And even if we wanted to talk about maybe like, well, you know, Angel lost his soul, aka his chip, and then he started trying to kill Buffy. We could talk about that. And maybe she shouldn't have taken him back after he got his soul back or whatever. We can have those conversations. But like, sure, yeah, we, we don't have to have those conversations with our younger 14-year-old sister who 
was even younger when this was happening. <laughs> She's like 12 years old or 11. That's why Buffy shuts it down. Because at the end of the day, Buffy's right. She should not have a crush on... Well, I mean, you can't control what you have a crush on. But she definitely shouldn't be romanticizing her crush on Spike because Buffy was with Angel. She doesn't know anything about that. So Buffy literally like walks away and paces for a second, which is such a sister fight thing to do where you're like, ah! and then you come right back in and you say, she says, Spike is a monster, okay? Plus you're only 14 years old. And Don says, I'm only hanging out with him, even if I have a crush. And he, he wouldn't notice it in a million years, not with you around. And Buffy says, what does that mean? And Don says, Spike's totally into you. You didn't notice? Buffy, Spike's completely in love with you. And Buffy says, huh? <laughs> now, are we to believe that Buffy didn't know? I think there is a really interesting conversation coming down the line here about how Buffy and Spike have been interacting, especially this season. But I know a lot of the fandom and this, hey, this again, this comes back to all oh, just the comments that I read. Like, I mean, thousands of comments over the last two years. People actually believing that Buffy has been flirting with Spike. And I'm not saying that's not valid. Like, if that's how you read the situation, that's how you read it. But um, the fact that Buffy is so confused, she's like, what? Like, she, this really blows her mind, this episode. So I want to believe Buffy and believe that she didn't have any idea. I don't think she's in denial. I think she just literally was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> I'm so caught up in my mom's brain tumor and Riley leaving and school and Dawn and Glory. Like, this never crossed my mind. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not one to really be able to tell if people are flirting, as we talked about earlier in this episode, but I agree with that assessment. I, I don't see how, from Buffy's point of view, she could even entertain the idea that Spike is into her that way, because in her mind, the thing that got her into Angel was she was attracted to Angel, and I think it was, you could correct me if I'm wrong, it was the lurking, wasn't it? It was the, the tall, dark, and lurkingness of him all. Mm. Um, <laughs> Vampire's going to lurk, everyone. <laughs> I, and so I think maybe what Spike doesn't understand is that he's coming on too strong. <laughs> <laughs> like, back it up, my friend. Uh, but that's been him since Fool for Love, William, right? We, we know that's how he right. does it. And, and so, like, I just don't think Buffy has seen Spike as putting the moves on her because in her experience that's not what happens in her experience you got to be tall dark and lurky or riley <laughs> or owen <laughs> into i, I into mean poetry. the whole yeah the whole owen thing <laughs> let's oh, not let's not dwell on owen simpler times <laughs> so, okay let's go to the train station buffy has brought xander for some reason probably because he just needs to be in the episode again is he not working <laughs> Like, what wasn't his hand broken? Anyway, they're exploring the crime scene, looking for clues. Uh, but it's clear that Buffy really wants to talk to him about Spike. Finally, she works with the courage and she says, Dawn thinks that Spike's in love with me. Xander laughs at this, right? And Buffy's like, I'm not joking. And Xander's like, oh, I hope not. It's funnier if it's true. And he keeps laughing at her. And um, Buffy says, it's funny because Buffy sits like <laughs> on a chair that's been taped off because there was a body there, but she sits in the exact same position. That yeah, the, the body physical is comedy taped. is great. That's <laughs> really funny. Um, Buffy says it's creepy. Okay, she says it's creepy. 
And it bothers her because of that. And Xander says, no, it's not creepy because it's not real. How upset can you really get over one of Spike's fevered daydreams that's not going to happen? Excuse me, Xander? (laughs) Shut up, Xander. I know. This bothers me so much. The way that cis men dismiss the concerns of women, especially around safety, especially around people who are attracted to them who may be toxic or abusive or stalkerish. No, Buffy, it's all in your head. He couldn't possibly be dangerous. You know, he's got a chip in his brain. He can't hurt you. And it's like, Xander, you don't know. You don't live this, right? Like, as much as you might have your issues, you don't walk down the street fearing for your life. Shut the fuck up. Take Buffy seriously for once. God damn it. So I've got two thoughts on this. One is right where you're going with that, Kara. Buffy is the slayer, number one, and Buffy's a woman as well. And as a woman, Buffy knows what makes her uncomfortable and what she finds creepy. As the slayer, she has slayer senses that go off and they don't know about the level of Spike's obsession. They don't know that he's got a fucking shrine of her, a dummy that he's been breaking in, that he has her underwear, that he's groped her when she wasn't paying attention, that he's been listening to her have sex outside her house. They don't know any of that, but Buffy senses the, the creepiness of this situation. So yeah, Xander, take it fucking seriously. That's my first point. My second point goes to the fandom. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh, God, here we go. Because, again, like I said, people have been saying that Buffy has been consensually flirting back the last two seasons with Spike. And I call shenanigans on that. <laughs> oh, we have, we have a shenanigans on the board. <laughs> Steph has called a shenanigans. I'm raising the shenanigans card. It is a shenanigans calling. Go on, Steph. Well, their, their, their argument is that... Buffy wouldn't care so much about this, just like Xander saying. Buffy wouldn't care so much if she didn't care herself about Spike in some way, right? If she wasn't denying the fact that she might be feeling something for this creep. That feels like begging the question. That feels like a logical fallacy. Oh, it 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 feels like you are ignoring blatantly what Buffy is telling you she's feeling in this moment. Right? Buffy is saying it creeps yeah. me out. That that's what conspiracy theories do, right? Is evidence any evidence against the conspiracy is actually evidence for the conspiracy because they're just covering up the conspiracy. Oh, gee, my brain just kind of melted when you said that. But <laughs> here's my my thing is just let, let's just look at what Buffy's gone through this season. And can we not just take her at what she's saying? Let's not all be Xanders and be like, well, clearly there's more to it. Like, she wouldn't care this much if she didn't care for the guy. No, Buffy has had a terrible season already, okay? Not not just the fact that she's dealing with her mother's illness, okay? But let's just think about the fact that she's going through the fallout of her relationship with Riley, where she really feels like she missed important clues Not that he gave her any, but she missed important points in that relationship that led to him being upset and leaving. And she had no clue. And and before that, before that, she was going through the trauma of being in a relationship with Riley. (laughs) And before that, she let Parker inside her. So like this girl has been doubting her own ability to 
see situations when it comes to men. So I can see why she'd be creeped out and bothered by not realizing that Spike's in love with her because she's already been thinking of that. She's like, oh, I didn't see this about my own boyfriend. I didn't see his, the clues. I didn't, like, I missed it. So she's probably feeling naive and she's questioning her judgment in a lot of these ways. Is Spike the Jake of this podcast? The Jacob of this podcast? Of Jacob Black? Think about it. (laughs) He's into Buffy the way Jacob's into Bella. Kind of low-key obsessed with her. He's kind of trying to, like, push his way out of the friend zone, if you will. And insisting that she has feelings for him. Yeah, Buffy slash Bella's not having any of it, you know? I mean, if Jacob Black were also to sniff Bella's panties, which I'm sure he has. <laughs> no, I, no. Why Why did I bring this up? Yeah, why, why did do you, you do this to me, Steph? I'm just saying, at the end of the day, Xander needs to shut up, <laughs> number one. Number two, he needs to believe Buffy. We all need to believe Buffy when she says she's creeped out. Don't be like, are you sure? Are you are you sure? But Steph, I thought we is I thought we established it into the woods that the show is all about men telling Buffy what she should feel. <laughs> and the fandom telling Buffy what she should feel. She's telling us here that she's creeped out. I believe her and I understand why. And that's all I can say. So so Xander asks how Dawn came about this conclusion, this entertaining conclusion. And Buffy says she's been hanging out with Spike and she has a crush on him. And Buffy starts to say, this is what makes me mad. Buffy starts to say that she always knew that he had a weird fixation on me. And I wanted her to go on with that, right? Like, let's explain why this is creepy for you, right? But Xander fucking interrupts her to talk about his anger that that Dawn no longer has a crush on Xander, Big, funny Xander. It's, always, it's been me. It's always been me. She suddenly decides I'm not cool anymore. Why is that okay? Xander, why is it okay for you to be upset about this and not Buffy be upset about Spike? <laughs> Someone call this man out. <laughs> if if only, if only there were a podcast that we could listen to that was criticizing, perhaps even slandering Xander. <laughs> and Spike and Riley and any man that dares hurt Buffy Hashtag in this way. not all men, but so many of the men in Buffy. But Joss Whedon's men. <laughs> so they leave. They leave the train. Um, but we see a blindfolded doll up ahead. So, oh, what could that be? Buffy comes home and, oh my God, she walks into the kitchen and Joyce is there telling a hilarious story to Dawn and Spike, who's casually sitting on the countertop. He's back in his like preppy nice guy uniform and they're all laughing at Joyce's joke and if you listen to the Joyce's like story she's talking about how she ended up with two shipments of something for the gallery and I was like I'm for it <laughs> I was like sure sure Joyce I'm sure that was a mistake and not your clever way of getting extra merch that you could sell or she was just high when she made the order <laughs> she and that's probably actually that's actually exactly correct and that is why they're laughing she's like i just got so fucking baked <laughs> there's a hole in my head and i just ordered all this extra shit <laughs> hilarious okay but buffy walking in on this is like the episode ted all over again it's so awful like there's a record scratch moment sorry when i say awful i love this this is hilarious yeah, yeah, don't yeah, ever yeah. change show but like for buffy it's so awful she walks into the kitchen and you hear Spike, and then you see him perched on the counter, and 
and everything is normal for Joyce. And it's like, (laughs) I'm sorry, Joyce, did you not remember that he's a killer? No, let's remember that Joyce and Spike are boinking. So this is like Ted all over again. Joyce is trying to casually introduce her boyfriend to her daughter, (laughs) her youngest daughter, and she's eating it up. If people were not on board the the Spice train before this, like who can deny at this point? That they're begging. No one. Spike's justification that he came in to apologize for the whole Don thing, that's a flimsy lie. He and and Joyce were having sex, and then Don came home after they were done. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I'm hanging out, and now Buffy's here. He and Spice, he he and and Joyce are doing it. It could not be clearer. Just watch this scene again, and you'll see what we're talking about. Hashtag Spice forever. Yes. So... uh, Buffy's weirded out that Spike is there. And Joyce says, Spike came to apologize for yesterday. And Buffy's like, so you decided to just hang out for a while? And Joyce is like, oh, I just... She starts telling her story again. And Spike is like, oh, don't get us all laughing again, Joyce. (laughs) So he says, I really need to talk to your eldest. And Buffy's like, about what? And Spike brings her into the hallway. And Buffy is so uncomfortable with this situation. She's so uncomfortable. And Spike says, he's got info. And Buffy says... I'm out of cash. Why don't you hit up, hit on Giles, hit up Giles. And Spike says, I got a beat on guys who killed those people on the train. And I want to show you. And Buffy, again, he's uncomfortable with this. And he says, what's the matter? And she says nothing, but Spike senses there's something wrong. And so he gives her more information. He says, there's two vampires. They're held up in a warehouse downtown. Grab your coat and pointy sticks. So Again, Buffy is showing here, very clearly demonstrating how being alone with this guy is the last fucking thing she wants to do. She doesn't feel safe doing it. And she sees through his lies. He's not there to apologize to Joyce. He was there waiting for Buffy to show up. And it's not about bonding with Joyce and Don. It's about Buffy and he's being manipulative and she senses that and she like her senses are are tingling here right and this is just a reminder to all women stay vigilant if you don't feel safe going alone with a guy in a car to a warehouse don't go i i mean right? the whole idea of going alone with a guy in a car to a warehouse should sound set up several red flags to begin with um <laughs> yeah i i mean that's the thing is when people genuinely want to do something nice for you They'll do it for you even if they know you're not going to notice and give them credit. If Spike really wanted to help Buffy, he could have just sent her a note, right? He didn't have to show up and personally deliver her to the warehouse. Like he, But he, he can't do that because he needs her to see him helping her because he isn't actually doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing it to get in her pants. Yeah. And he's forcing himself into her safe space, her kitchen, her family, right? She comes home and now he's putting her in another vulnerable situation where she has to go out with this guy who she literally thinks is icky. Right. I will say, you know, some of the responsibility is on Joyce for once again, just letting anybody into the house. (laughs) But Joyce, Joyce likes boning this guy, right? So she's going to let him in. Um... Yeah, so that's all I have to say about that is just, just watch the scene and you see how uncomfortable Buffy is with the situation. She's so like, oh, this is the worst. So we cut to outside the warehouse. Where, this is not the worst. It's actually quite a, kind of funny where Buffy and Spike are sitting in the car and he owns the car. Whose car is this? Yes, this was my question. Spike drives now? <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> I, I know that Spike knows how to drive, but like this is our first time seeing Spike with a car of his own, not Giles's. 
since he came to Sunnydale, right? He came to Sunnydale in the beater car, but he hasn't used one since then. Why does he have one? What is the purpose? I don't know. How did they get a car? Never explained. <laughs> is it Carry on. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're staking out this warehouse, and this is another ooh like this ugh, spike. You're so you just ugh. So he reaches over to get to the glove compartment, and Buffy flinches. She goes, "Hey!" because she thinks he's going to grab her because he's a groper. <sighs> so I'm having a meltdown. So. <laughs> So he takes a flask out, drinks from it, offers her some. She says, ew. He says, it's not blood, it's bourbon. She's like, ew. <laughs> I love Buffy. I guess she's more of a gin girl. She must be. Um, as they wait, Spike starts singing to himself. He's like, do you like the Ramones? And she starts to be like, what the fuck is this? And then they see the two vampires enter the enter the, their warehouse. So they follow them. And I love these vampires. We never see them again, I'm assuming. But like, they're making popcorn. <laughs> They're having like a chill night making some popcorn. They were probably going to watch a movie. Yeah, they're probably going to wa- uh, have a little Twilight marathon. Um, Buffy and Spike come in and <laughs> they stand up like they're going to fight and they're like, Slayer. And then they run. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> they just take off. And Spike is like, well, I'm embarrassed for our kind. <laughs> like, that was sad. Should we chase them? Finally. Men who know their place. <laughs> right? And Buffy, she looks around and she's like, the fuck? Like, these guys, like, these vampires have been here for a while. They've nested. And Spike says, oh, so there are a couple of poofsters? Homophobic slur, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Spike is a homophobic, we know. Um, even though he's queer. So that's very strange. But Buffy says, no, I'm saying that th- that this has nothing to do with last night's murders. Because whoever did that didn't arrive until t- into town until last night. You've wasted my time. Uh, she goes to leave and Spike runs ahead of her to open the door for her. And she's like, what are you doing? And he like tries to brush it off. But she, you know what? She's had enough. She demands to know what this is. She's like, the late night stakeout, the bogus suspects, the flask. Is this a date? And Spike says, please. A, a date? You're completely off your bird. I mean, do you want it to be? <laughs> Question. Yeah. Have you ever been in a situation with somebody that you've then realized was a date? No. I've never walked into a situation where I wasn't aware that someone was dating me, courting me, cool. whatever you want to call it. I think it's good that Buffy calls him out here. I really like this scene. This is a really good scene. I got a lot to say Agreed. about it, but... They both do very well here, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar and James Marsters. But um, Buffy's disgusted, right? She's like, oh, my God. Like, like oh, my God. Um, she says, are you, are you out of your mind? Which is a callback to earlier this season, the episode. And Spike says, it's not unusual. Two people in the workplace, feelings develop. And Buffy says, no, feelings do not develop. No feelings. And Spike says, you can't deny it. There's something between us. Buffy's like, yeah, loathing, disgust. And Spike says, heat, desire. And Buffy says, Spike, you're a vampire. And Spike says, Angel was a vampire. And Buffy says, Angel was good. And Spike says, I can be good too. I've changed, Buffy. And Buffy says, the chip in your head, that's not change. That's holding you back. You're like a serial killer in prison. And Spike says, women marry them all the time. Spike, I don't see how that's going to help your argument here. But, all right. Remember, Kara, you and I, when we were talking in Fool for Love, and we brought up the whole point about Spike's redemption arc that they're trying to build here. And we're saying it only works if Spike makes the change. If Spike at some point says, damn, I'm kind of awful. I need to make changes. 
And he, we know he hasn't done that yet. So when he says here, I've changed, we don't believe him because it's not true. Not yet. Maybe it'll happen in the future, but definitely not here. I agree. <laughs> also, also, I compared Spike to Ted Bundy in that episode. <laughs> and there's a lot of t- talk about serial killers in this episode. And someone did marry Ted Bundy when he was in jail. Her name was Carol Ann Boone, and she married him while he was on trial for the murder of over 30 women across the United States. So Spike is admitting here that he's no better than that. (laughs) So Buffy knows this about him. She knows this, right? And that's why it's part of the reason that she feels like he's so fucking icky and gross. And definitely her sister shouldn't be hanging out with him, you know? So Spike says, something happened to me. I can't stop thinking about you. If that means turning my back on the whole evil thing. And Buffy says, you don't know what you mean. You don't know what feelings are. And Spike says, I damn well do. I lie awake every night. Buffy says, you sleep during the day. But Spike says, you're missing the point. This is real here. I love. And Buffy shuts him up. She's like, don't. Don't say it. I'm going. Spike says, we need to talk. And Buffy says, we don't need to do anything. There is no we. Understand. And he calls for her, but she storms out. Wow. Yeah. Spike. (laughs) Spike, my guy. Uh Uh-huh. If you want to if you want Buffy to love you because you're good now you gotta want to be good for goodness sake and not for Buffy what he seems to be saying here is that his goodness is contingent on her loving him back and if Mm -hmm. she doesn't love him back then what's the point of him being good this that my dude the fact that you don't understand how fucked up that is that is the problem yeah and to reiterate what we got mad about him in Fool for Love, where he just pushes past these women's boundaries when they clearly are like, shut up. I don't want to talk about it. I don't need to talk about it with you. I don't owe you a fucking thing. He's such a Xander. Oh, he's such a Xander. He's like, I, like Buffy says, like, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, we need to talk about this. You have feelings for me. And she's like, frankly, I do not. And I don't have to stay here. So she leaves. And good. Good. He tricked her into coming there. Like, but, I don't know. but we agree the true victims of this seed are those two vampires who got kicked out of their house, right? <laughs> Justice for those two vampires. Justice for them who are like, oh, so we got we don't get to popcorn because you want to fight <laughs> in here? Uh, it's really on Spike, right? Like, it's not Buffy's fault. She didn't know. I, I wish one of them had popped his head back in after Buffy had left and Spike was standing there. And they'd be you like, done? so... Are you done yet? Or like Spike turns around and he's like qu- trying to quietly lift the popcorn off the thing. He's yes, like, oh my he's god. Like, oh shit, uh, d- d- don't, d- don't mind me. Um, I just love, like Buffy is so clear here. I want to make it clear. Buffy is being so clear here. We are not anything. I, 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 I don't understand, Steph. Why are you so concerned with establishing that Buffy's not sending mixed signals? How could that possibly come up in the rest of this episode? <laughs> Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll fucking get there. <laughs> All right. Spike goes to his crypt. Who's there? Drew, Scylla. <gasps> Shock face. Oh, my God. She says, look who's coming to make everything right again. So Drusilla has filled Spike in on what's going on over on Angel. Here's what you missed on Angel. It is intense. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I haven't watched Angel in a long time. And so Spike says, okay, so Darla got mojoed back from the beyond. You vamped her. And now she and you are working on turning Angel into his old bad self. Sounds fun. And I was like, 
damn, like I gotta go watch Angel. Shit's going down in LA. Um, Drusilla says, yep. Although I didn't care for Angela setting me on fire. And I laughed at that because um, Drusilla has burns on her face and on her chest. And the makeup's really bad. Like I can literally see where they pasted it on her, you know? (laughs) So Drusilla wants Spike to be part of the family again. She's like seducing him. She's like, come back with me to Los Angeles. And Spike is like, I did the LA scene, Drew. It didn't agree with me. And remember (laughs) Carl, I think his head caught on fire last time he was in LA. (laughs) So uh, Spike says he's got a sweet setup in Sunny D. All the tasty townies he can eat. Drusilla calls him out immediately, says, you know, poor boy, tin soldiers, put little funny little knickknacks in your brain. Can't hunt, can't hurt, can't kill. You've got a chip. And Spike gets upset that the rumors are spreading that everyone knows. And Drusilla says she doesn't believe in science. Of course she doesn't. <laughs> really? really? She's an anti-vaxxer. I knew it. I love how she, I love how she says, you know, it's all in your head, right? She's like, you know, uh, you're a killer. You're born to slash and bash and bleed like po- beautiful poetry. Um, she's really trying to like hype Spike up. And Spike's like, but the, you don't understand. It's painful. And she's it like, it's all in your it. head. So literally, Drusilla is one of those people who's like, you don't need to take medication to cure your cancer. You know, you can just beat cancer by praying it away. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, and it's so funny. So she's getting to him. And he's like growling. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Harmony comes out of nowhere and says, what the hell is this? <laughs> Harmony's so good in this episode. She's like, oh, wait, I get it. Our little sex game is just the beginning. Now you've come and picked up some cheap Queen of the Damned and dress her up as your precious Druidzilla. You better not be thinking about what I think you're thinking. My answer is the same as always. No threesomes unless it's boy, boy, girl, or Charlize Theron. <laughs> I mean, good for you, Harmony, for clearly communicating your boundaries and what you're into, what's on your yes and your no and your maybe list. Good job. And great choice. Charlize Theron is hot. So Spike confirms. He's like, this is Drusilla. And (laughs) Harmony's like, oh. And she goes up to Drusilla and she's like, you've got some nerve showing up here like this after all this time, after breaking my sweet boo-boo's heart. She's like, do you have any idea how hard it's been to break down the walls he put up after you left? Serious trust issues. It's no use you crawling back to him because Spikey don't play the game anymore, Morticia. Harmony, I love you, girl. Don't ever change. We needed this in this episode, honestly. Like, adding her in was the perfect thing. Uh, So funny. And then, unfortunately, Spike grabs Harmony by the throat. No, so he does that because Drusilla makes a signal. What does she do? This is what I love about this moment. Well, she just kind of, like, moves her head. And then Spike reacts. And that's how, you know, it's the connection they have where it's like, Mm The moment Drusilla shows up, Harmony's done, right? Yeah. Like, Harmony has just been this convenience. And Drusilla's back, and she's so secure in her power over Spike. All she has to do is nod, and Spike grabs Harmony by the throat. Once again, being very grabby towards women. Yeah, so he grabs her by the throat, and he says, It's been fun while it lasted, Harm, but I think it's best now if you hit the road. And he throws her violently against a wall. We've seen Spike abuse her all season, so we're, or for the last two seasons, so we're used to this. It's still hard to watch. She says, Why? 
because she's back? And Spike says, no, because I am. And he grabs Drusilla and she says, there you are, my darling deadly boy. And they make out. And I will say, and I think I've always said this, like, I really like Spike and Drusilla together. I ship them. Like, I think they're just, they're dynamic they're, they're and they're a, fun. They're an evil power couple. They are. And Spike is more badass with her. Well, he is because he's trying to impress her, right? Like, yeah. that is the core of Spike because he's he's trying to impress a woman. It's just which woman, woman is he trying to impress that informs his personality, how he acts. Yeah, I mean, Juliet Landau is just such an incredible character actor. You know, the way that she embodies Drusilla, the way she moves, her physicality, the way that she uses her accent to make Drusilla sound creepy and a little bit childlike at times. It's I'm just so happy that she's back in this episode. And just like Harmony being back, like, the writers really found this amazing balance of talent and moods. You know, Harmony is the bubbly blonde and Drusilla is the dangerous, like dark, brooding love interest. And it just the like everything just works so well together. So really, really good job, writers. This season has all been about the power who has it in each room in each scene drusilla has always had the power whenever she's in a scene right with um with spike especially so that was great and now buffy is consulting with joyce and willow on the couch and i will say first off this is lovely i like seeing the girl talk we haven't seen girl talk in a long time and when i was watching the scene i was like why does buffy keep insisting on talking to xander about stuff she should always be talking to willow she should have talked to Willow on the train. She should have talked to Willow after uh, Buff Riley gave her the ultimatum. Like, no more Xander. More Willow. We like these combos. Although some of the things they say are problematic. So Willow says, so he actually told you he loved you? And Buffy said, no. Like, she didn't let him get that far, but the words were coming out. Joyce is beside herself because she's about to lose her lover. So Joyce is saying, did you let him unintentionally lead him on in any way? Send him signals. So that's not right, Joyce. You know, you're just basically saying like, Buffy, are you sure you didn't wear the short skirt? And that's why he did that. You know, like there's there's a little bit of that in there, a little bit of blame in there um, in a gentle way. Uh, but I had to point it out. No, I agree. It, it's the whole thing where, you know, other women will uphold our internalized misogyny and rape culture where it's like we are so conditioned to placate these men and believe that if they're continuing to visit us with unwanted attention, it's because we must be doing something wrong. And we're we're conditioned to believe that of other women, right? Try as we might. And I believe that Joyce in her heart thinks of herself as a feminist, as a badass stoner feminist, <laughs> but she's limited. I mean, part of it is probably also a generational thing, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, like in this, in this moment, and I, I think Willow is also complicit in this as well with the mm -hmm. advice that she gives Buffy. I think both of them are thinking about Angel and they're thinking about the fact that Buffy has made in their minds uh, some perhaps reckless choices of boyfriend and dating the bad boy before and could it happen again? And maybe that's what's happening. Maybe Buffy's not being honest with us. And it's a little bit sad. And and I understand where they're coming from. I, I, I don't want to beat up on them too much, but criticism where criticism is due, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, so I'm not down with the advice they're giving her here, but I am, I'm down for the camaraderie 
like Buffy's leaning on her women to talk about stuff and not Xander for once. But let's also think about Joyce when you say the internalized misogyny, but also how we are taught to cater to men and men's emotions. And even earlier in this episode, right, she said straight up, I feel safer when Buffy's here, but she had to cater to Giles's ego too and be like, oh, no, 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 like until you were here, Rupert, obviously. So that's just something to think about. So basically what they're saying is Willow's saying I'm worried, Joyce is too, because he could become dangerous. And I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of what happened with Angel mixed in with that. Uh, You know, obviously a vampire, an evil vampire that's obsessed with Buffy. And um, Buffy thinks it's going to blow over, right? And Willow says, I'm not so sure these things can get pretty twisted. Willow's thinking about her fish. (laughs) Remember when Angel killed her fish? Joyce is pacing now. And she says, Spike is pretty twisted. I was like, yeah. You would know, Joyce. Spike's twisted you up in ways <laughs> that you've never been twisted in before. So this is what made me annoyed. Willow asks if Buffy made it clear that it would never happen, that there was no possible way. And Buffy says, yeah, I think so. I was just so thrown. And Willow says Buffy needs to talk to him. Buffy wants to avoid him. But Willow says, no, you need to shut this down completely. And if he thinks he has a chance with you, there's no telling what he would do. That's wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> This is why earlier I was like, Buffy is being clear. Buffy could not be more clear. There is no we. I do not love you. Don't say it. You are beneath me. Yeah, you are beneath. But no, no, no. (laughs) Buffy, are you being clear? Because poor Spike doesn't understand. You, You should talk to him again, Buffy. Yeah. Buffy, go put yourself in another vulnerable position. If you if you explain it one more time, then he's going to get it. No, 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 no. Spike is going to hear what he wants to hear. Spike is too far gone. Sp- Spike is in denial. If anyone's in this episode is in denial, it's Spike and the fandom. Because Buffy <laughs> should not have to go explain shit to him. She said it. She said it, said it, said it, said it, said it. She does not need to do it Are again. Are we losing our minds? Yes. This, this is why I said this, this episode, this episode... Is tough. <laughs> All right, whatever. At the bronze, Spike and Drusilla enter and uh, they dance and they grind up on each other. And Drusilla notices a couple making out on the catwalk up top. Um, this is when Joyce is literally giving Buffy her jacket to be like, this is the right thing to do. I know it's hard, but better to nip this in the bud before. And Buffy says, before the bud nips me. <sighs> so Joyce agrees and then she goes, don't worry, Joyce, your affair is safe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it would be awkward if the guy you're seeing is also seeing your daughter. That's a little fucked oh, up. That's why Joyce is like, are you sure it's not you? <laughs> Joyce is looking out for herself here. Joyce is, Joyce is like, I've done some weird shit in my time, but I'm sorry, Buffy. If you start running with Spike, I got to cut him off. If, if you get with him, I can't get with him. It's going to be one of us. All right. So I don't know. Uh, Joyce is really conflicted in this episode. <laughs> So Joyce uh, Willow offers to come to give him a good scowling, right? And Buffy says, no, I got to do it by myself. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this thing is just like thrown out of proportion. <sighs> they gaslit her. They gaslit her, Kara. She's she, just like Xander gaslit her and into the woods. Buffy is rethinking her approach to these things. What she believes is actually happening, which is correct. <sighs> so... So Buffy says, can you do something for me when I'm gone, though? Drusilla's in her vampire face. Her and Spike approach the couple that were making out. Drusilla breaks the girl's neck (gasps) and then throws her body at Spike. And I was like, that is fucking brutal. Drusilla then feeds off the man and Spike takes a second to think about it. 
and then he drinks from the dead body and uh yeah and that's 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 that so it's almost as if the chip is not doing its job and i'm not saying it's malfunctioning but it's like Maybe this is where the chip as soul argument breaks down. Mm, yes, I do love sitting back and letting those kind of arguments sort themselves out <laughs> as we go through the episode. Okay, so Buffy is in Spike's crypt. Here we go. She's looking for him. She ends up going into the underground area where there's like skulls and torches lit. But strangely enough, there's two coffins. There's two coffins down there, Kara. And I was like, does Spike sleep in a coffin? What is the vampire lore here? <laughs> I'm confused. I, I think Spike has been like tunneling into an adjacent crypt to like expand his real estate. <laughs> that's a really, that's a really thought out <laughs> reason for why there would be that stuff there. Okay, so Buffy finds the dummy of her wearing her clothes, her cashmere sweater, and then she pulls the curtain aside, and there's a shrine. There's a fucking serial killer shrine. <laughs> Of Buffy on the wall, photographs that Spike has stolen, drawings that I can only assume Spike has done, unless he took them from Angelus from the mansion a long time ago. Don't know. And on the table in front of the shrine is like Buffy's things, her underwear, her trinkets. And he's taken all the stuff because the two times that we saw him break into Buffy's house, clearly those weren't it. He was doing it. He probably took things every time he was visiting Joyce, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Or ask Joyce to bring something out just for no reason. This is this is weird, right? Like, if you found out a guy who was into you had a shrine of you, you wouldn't date him, right? No. You wouldn't want anything to do with him because he's a fucking creep. Like, I, I, I understand that we want men to worship us. I get it. But, like, not in this way. <laughs> not in this way. And I will also bring up more social media stories that I have because it's been two years. And, um... Often, often, I see the argument when 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 I do a TikTok, let's say, calling Spike out for being creepy for sniffing Buffy's panties and clothes, um, which and this is a true story. People come into the comments and they say, yeah, well, Angel drew a picture of Buffy when she was sleeping. And that's equally as creepy. <laughs> and I don't deny that is creepy. That's a creepy thing to do. Look at Spike's shrine here. Look at his Buffy shrine. He's got months worth of doodles and drawings that he's done of this girl. Plus the pictures he stole. Plus the panties that he's been stealing and sniffing. So I'm just saying, like, everyone is so quick to dismiss Spike's creepiness because Angel one time drew her sleeping. But I'm sorry, this outdoes that. I'm debunking the theory that Angelus, who was evil for six months and did stalk her and was creepy in some aspects, I'm debunking the fact that he's creepier than Spike because look at this shrine, Kara. My my mind is sizzling. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is serial killer stalker level shit. This is, ooh. <laughs> So Buffy's rightfully upset and creeped out, right? So she climbs up, she tries to get out of there, but Spike is at the top of the ladder and he's got blood on his face and he looks like a serial killer. And he says, see anything interesting? And Buffy is so creeped out. She's like, uh, what? what, what uh? And then Drusilla says, me, and tases her. Spike says, remember my ex-slayer? Come back, she did. She couldn't live without me. And Drusilla says, 
my boy's been feeding again. I know what he really wants to eat. And she tases Buffy, who passes out. And then she asks Spike if she wants to play with uh, the Slayer for a bit first. And then Spike says, I'm through with playing. Then he grabs the taser and he tases Drusilla. And then he says, bloody well through playing. Gasp. Gasp. So, okay. Okay. This is an interesting thing because Buffy wakes up from her being unconscious. And she's chained by both arms. But she's also standing. And I was like, what a, what a what a way to be unconscious, to stand. <laughs> and then she looks up and, and Drusilla is across from her and she's also tied up um, in front of her. And Buffy asks what's going on. And Spike says, simple, I'm going to prove something. He says, he stands in front of Buffy and he says, I love you. And Buffy says, oh my God. <laughs> um he grabs her face and he says, I love you. And Buffy moves her head out of his grip. And he says, you're all I bloody think about, dream about. You're in my gut, in my throat. I'm drowning in you, Summers. I'm drowning in you. That's not good, Spike. It's good for him. I'm sure some people find that super romantic. Oh, my. <laughs> Drusilla laughs, right? Because she's it's funny to her. And she says, I knew before you did. I knew you loved the Slayer. The pixies in my head whispered it to me. Spike says, you can't tell me that there isn't anything there between you and me. <sighs> he says, I know you feel something. <sighs> and Buffy says, it's called revulsion. <laughs> she says, whatever you think you're feeling, it's not love. You can't love without a soul. Drusilla says, we can, we can quite well if not wisely. So this is interesting. You and I have talked about the soul versus love really versus vampire love. We talked a lot about that. I still stand by what you and I have said in the past. I think it's obsession. It's like, yeah, they're, they can love, but it's it's a toxic thing. It's an obsessive thing. I think that's thing. what Drusilla is saying here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not Drusilla wise. and Buffy are kind of, I think you you and I are kind of like Drusilla and Buffy because I think I'm a little bit hard, more hard line, although I, I see where you're coming down there. Uh, yeah, so... It's interesting that the show is bringing this up. Yeah. And I also want to praise Buffy for this scene because Buffy is so funny in this set, in this scene because she's just like, she is like, this is fucking gross. And she never actually feels like she's in danger here because it's Spike. She doesn't take him seriously. So Spike says, still don't think I mean it. Like, need proof? How's this? Spike grabs a steak and he's about to stake Drusilla. He says, like, I'm going to kill Drusilla for you. Drusilla laughs and Buffy says, that doesn't prove anything. <laughs> Except that you're sick, miserable vampire that I should have dusted a long time ago. Yes. And Spike says, don't mock this. And she says, mock yourself. And Spike says, this is Drusilla, girl. Do you have the slightest idea what she means to me? She's the face of my salvation. 100 years, she never stopped surprising me, never stopped taking me to new depths. I was a lucky bloke just to touch such a black beauty. And then he he's about to jam the stake into her, the stake into her skin. Um, above her heart but then she he says so you see it means something and buffy says not to me <laughs> she says kill her what do i care and spike says if you don't admit that there's something there some tiny feeling for me then i'll untie drew and let her kill you instead and i was like oh my god okay okay another ultimatum how does that show that you love buffy i don't how is that helping like that's coercion like if buffy says oh you're right you're right spike i love you it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You're not letting her choose. You're a fool, Spike. You're a fool for love. <laughs> You're actually sick cut, in a lot of ways. Cut that out. That's too corny. Cut it no, out. No, it's staying. Um, 
So he says, just give me something, a crumb, the bare smidgen. Tell me maybe someday there's a chance. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. Fucking pathetic. And Buffy looks at him and and then says, Spike, the only chance that you had with me was when I was unconscious. I mean, we don't know what he did or didn't do tying her up. Oh, Oh, I would like to think that he hasn't had much time because she's probably going to wake up soon, (laughs) is what I like to think. Fuck yeah. Buffy is like, fuck this guy. And Spike loses it. (laughs) He loses it. He walks away and he throws the stake and he screams. Car, he screams. I know, I was there. My my note is all across the land, white men who experience not getting their way once look up and hear the call. (laughs) They're like... (gasps) One of our brethren is in trouble. <laughs> All the mediocre white men hear it. Oh. What does he say, Stav? He shouts and he says, what the bleeding hell is wrong with you bloody women? What the hell does it take? Why do you bitches torture me? Okay. I think it's pretty obvious without me having to point it out, but I will do it anyway for the sake of completeness. Spike is quite the misogynist. And I just want to go on record as I've been saying this since School Hard, right? Yes. Literally his first episode. I was like, Spike is a misogynist. And I, you know, I came to that analysis. And again, I'm not saying that this is groundbreaking stuff, but the past couple of rewatches, I've been much harsher on Spike than I used to be when I was younger. And it's just, it's so increasingly obvious. And this is what I meant earlier when I said, like, I'm not really criticizing the writers in this moment for how they're portraying Spike. I think this is an excellent portrayal where they are deliberately writing Spike to be a terrible, misogynistic man. But in case anybody needs this explained beyond the language, right? Beyond the fact that Spike is tying these women up. (laughs) And then threatening to kill one or both of them if the other one doesn't tell him that she loves him or And and also that that he's saying, you're torturing me when they are the ones being tied up and threatened. So, exactly. So the issue here, the reason why this is misogynist, beyond the language and the obvious violence of his actions, is the sense of entitlement that Spike exhibits as a straight cis man here, he is saying that I deserve the affection, uh, the admiration, the adulation of women that I desire. Their feelings don't matter. Buffy's feelings don't matter here. Spike wants to coerce Buffy into telling him that she feels something for him, that there could be something there, because that is all he cares about. All he cares about is, is his feelings. He is not willing to even entertain the possibility of rejection. Because to him, the idea of being rejected, and we started talking about this in Fool for Love, and people jumped to Spike's defense. Oh. <laughs> here's, here's, here's me talking about the fandom stuff. People <laughs> jumped to Spike's defense and said things like Cecily was like out of line for how she treats Spike. Yeah, And it's like, no. Like... <laughs> No, <laughs> he's so entitled, and this is why we have rape culture. Rape culture is not always men doing violence to women. It's not always even something like groping women 
rape culture is literally just the baseline expectation that women owe men something. And that is what Spike says when he comes out with this line, what the hell is wrong with you bloody women? You know, why do you bitches torture me? It's such good writing because this is the show showing us what lurks under the surface of far too many men in our society. And they're peeling that back because they can do that because Spike is a vampire. They, it's a lot easier for them to show to hold up the mirror and, and show us that that way. And it's so skillful. Although I will always, you know, defend people's right to ship the characters they want to ship and have the crushes they want to have. It is interesting to me. And I, I am always a little bit concerned when people automatically jump to the defense of a character like Spike and try to find ways to justify or rationalize or excuse his actions because it's scenes like this it's moments like this where he's really showing us who he is and this is not just a red flag this is a flag dripping with blood and you need to pay attention to these things because these men are out there they're not always going to be as obvious about it as spike but they are out there they are all smiles, and they are nice to you when you're giving them what they want. The moment that you prove to be slightly intractable, they go off, and they shut down, and suddenly it's not fun in games anymore. And that is what Spike is doing here. He said he was willing to be good. He said he was going to kill Drusilla. And the moment Buffy seemed like she wasn't going to go his way, he took it all back. He's like, I'm going to take my toys and I'm going to go home. And he doesn't love her. He can't love her because he's not capable of that. All he is capable of is base desire. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely agree with you. This is why you and I come down so hard on Spike. The problem is what you just said, Car. that these men exist and so much of the fandom uplifts this particular man and forgives him because he's a vampire. But just remember that he represents a huge problem and you and I don't let it pass and you and I will not avoid critiquing that. So let's finish the scene. Um, Spike then goes on to blame the women for more stuff, right? So, uh, so he asks these questions and Buffy says, which question do you want me to answer first? <laughs> and Spike says, um, he's at the end of his bleeding tether. Spike's had enough. He says, I don't know why I even bother. Uh, he looks at Drusilla and he says, it's your fault. You're the one to blame for all this, you know? And Drusilla, I love Drusilla because she says, Am I? <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Is Drusilla also has no soul. And this is this is something I've noticed, kind of the difference between a lot of the male and female vampires on this show, is you take away a woman's soul. And she has zero time for your bullshit anymore. <laughs> it's so true. She sees right through him. She's like, am I? <laughs> and he's like, bloody right you are. If you hadn't left me with the, for that chaos demon, I never would have come back here. <laughs> Remember the chaos demon? That poor guy. I, I I really hope that guy has found something good. I hope he's found love uh, yeah, as much too. as you can as a chaos demon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. he deserves like a talk show. I don't know. I got talk show host vibes from him. Yeah. So so what Spike does is he he blames 
Drusilla and her actions for the reason he got the chip in his skull. And then he goes to Buffy and he says, I know this is wrong. Like, I know it. I'm not a complete idiot. You think I'm I'm having you in here? I, you think I like having you in here? Destroying everything that was me? She, he says, you say, you say you hate it, but you won't leave. And I'm like, what do you mean she won't leave? Like, you won't leave, Spike. You don't it's leave. So, like, this is Olympic level mental gymnastics that he's doing right here. <laughs> well, he's a trickster. And we've been saying this all season. This guy, I don't trust a thing this thing this guy says. He's all lies. Spike, you're the reason this is all fucking happening to you. Leave Sunnydale. Leave. While he's doing this, Buffy is looking at Spike like, you are the most pathetic man I've ever seen in my life. I love her facial expression and while she's ranting. she just dated Riley. <laughs> I know. I know. She's like, wow. Um, Spike says, I should get rid of both of you. Burn you. Cut you both into pieces so there won't be any more bints to cock up things for Spike. Yep. That's right, Spike. The problem is just the women. If we could just get rid of all the women, everything would be fine. You're right. <laughs> You're totally right. So he's shot with a crossbow. Fuck yes. Harmony shoots him from behind. <laughs> Harmony to the rest. I love I it. love this twist. I love this for I love this so much. And she says, What about me, Spike? <laughs> she's like, You forgot about me again, your actual girlfriend. I also love how Harmony thinks she's the actual girlfriend. <laughs> she just lives in her own world, that one. And she says, I gave you the best bunch of months of my life. You <laughs> And she hits him with the crossbow. It's like kind of badass. And Drusilla says, that's right, little girl. Teach our naughty boy a lesson. (laughs) And Spike says, oh, you're all ganging up on me now. Yeah. Yeah, we are. So Harmony says, I thought I could change you, Spike. Maybe if I gave you, if I gave and I gave, maybe you'd come around. Maybe be nicer. Stop treating me like your dog. But now I see it's you. You're the dog who needs to be put down. And she starts fighting him. They fight. And actually, Harmony has improved her fighting so much. And I'm so proud of her for doing this and standing up for herself once and for all. Fuck yes. So while she's fighting Spike, um, Drusilla and Buffy work to untie themselves. Uh, Drusilla gets out of her ropes and immediately goes to fight Buffy, who's still chained up. At one point, Spike is on top of Harmony and she she says, you're on my hair. And then she twists the arrow that's still in Spike's back. So funny. Uh, anyway, Spike manages to overpower Harmony, gets her out of the way, and then he punches Drusilla off of Buffy, and then he unlocks Buffy from her chains. So once Buffy is free, Drusilla says, Oh, Spike, so lost. Even I can't help you now. And she leaves through a tunnel. They let her go. Ouch. Um, And I just want to give a quick shout out to Kendra. Okay. A shout out to Kendra who fought Drusilla and died by her fingernails back in season two. And here's Buffy fighting Drusilla with no hands and manages to survive. And it's just like, you know, it's just, it's just sad. I mean, to be fair, Drusilla was recently almost burned to undeath. Thanks, Angel. She's probably a little weak. The hero of the episode is Angel. (laughs) So <laughs> Harmony says, "Oh, Spikey, you can say goodbye to this." And she points at her ass. <laughs> and she says, "You're not going to see it anymore unless you run into me somewhere and it's me walking away from you." And she goes to leave, but she realizes that he'll see her ass if she leaves. So she says, "Even though then I'll, I'll probably just, you know, back away." And she does that. <laughs> uh, it's so 
funny. It's so good. I love Harmony so much. (laughs) Goodbye to this. So Buffy turns to Spike and she fucking punches him so hard that he flies into the shrine of her that he has made. And um, she she should have staked him right there, but she doesn't. She walks away from him. I mean, parts of that shrine were made out of wood. So he got lucky. (laughs) So, okay, where do we go from here, right? So Spike is following Buffy home. Spike, leave her alone. Leave her alone. But he doesn't. He follows her all the way fucking home. And he's like, "Um, you can't walk away from this. (laughs) Yes, she fucking can. That's literally what she's doing. She's like, what part of punching you in the face do you not understand? And Spike says, we had a fight. It's it's not our first. It doesn't change anything. (laughs) And Buffy says, it changes everything. Spike, listen to what Buffy is telling you, Spike. Buffy shouts at him. She says... I want you out. I want you out of this town. I want you off this planet. You don't come near me, my friends, or my family ever again, ever. Understand. Fucking stake him, Buffy. Kill him, Buffy. Kill him. And Spike says, it's not that easy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm I'm glad that Buffy went back to talk to Spike. Because now she can see that no amount of telling him no is going to she didn't need to see that she should have brought willow will to willow's like i'll come do the scowling willow should have came so she could have been convinced that there was no getting through to this guy so spike says yeah it's not that easy we have something buffy oh it's not pretty but it's real there's nothing either one of us can do about it like it or not i'm in your life you can't shut me out as buffy enters her home spike has been trying to follow her in but he can't he's thrown back clearly willow has done the reverse invitation spell and now spike is locked out so he looks at her and he has the audacity to look sad and confused and she glares at him and slams the door in his face fucking good that is buffy's space that you no longer belong in get the fuck out cut to yeah (laughs) go cry on joe rogan's podcast already (laughs) And the, what makes me sad, Kara, is there are still people out there who are saying Buffy is in denial here. That's why she's not staking him. Buffy didn't stake him because she, she's in denial. She was in denial earlier that Spike had a crush on her. <laughs> that was the denial. But that's what makes me sad is that like right there, she's like, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And people are just like, Buffy, we know that you really don't want him to get out. Anyway, who's your hero? <laughs> Obviously, Harmony. Anytime Harmony shows up, but especially in this episode, oh my god, just the way she stood up for herself, she is put up with so much from Spike, and, you know, Buffy was trying her best in this episode, Drusilla was trying her best, Mm because we didn't really talk about this, you know, Drusilla in her own twisted way is trying to take care of Spike, right? This, This is love for Drusilla. She sees Spike as this wounded animal. She's trying to help him. She killed that person so that Spike could drink their blood and feel alive again for her definition. This is Drusilla's twisted way of helping. So, you know, good for her. Here's Harmony finally taking no shit anymore, standing up for herself. The only way that Spike respects, right? And we talked about this with Buffy earlier. It's like, you know, I'm not here to champion uh, women beating up men the way that Harmony was thrown down with Spike, the way that Buffy threw Spike across the room. But this is proportional 
for the power dynamic in this case, right? With Spike and Buffy and Harmony, all of them having these superpowers. And like, I think in my mind, what impresses me so much about Harmony isn't even the fact that she's standing up to Spike. It's the fact that she's finally recognizing that Spike is never going to choose her. And we saw that from the very beginning of their relationship, right? Where he staked her because she was annoying him, but she was wearing the gem of Amara. But he, you know, he threw her over the moment he got the gem because it was never about her and their relationship. It was always about killing the Slayer. Now it's about boning the Slayer, but it's the same diff, right? Harmony's never good enough for him. And I, I think the fact that that has finally clicked for her is very promising. I'm, I'm hopeful for Harmony's future. I'm hopeful that she will find maybe somebody who respects her for the, the evil vampire that she is. Or, I don't know, maybe she will decide to focus on herself for a while. Maybe she'll pull a Cordy and find a really caring, handsome boss that will employ her. So she can have I mean, a not living. everybody is as lucky as Courtney. <laughs> uh, yeah, you said it all. Harmony is a great hero choice here. I want to do a shout out to the couple that were just having a great time making out at the bronze until Drusilla and Spike killed them. And then there is no repercussion for that it's, in this episode. It's the bronze. What do they expect? It's the bronze. Yeah, you should have known. You, you um, either die by troll or by vampire. <laughs> shout out to our Discord, prophecygirls.ca slash Discord. Come talk about the podcast and Buffy and other fun stuff with us. Plug, plug, plug. Homeless Opossum coined... You know, we do Xander Slander this episode. I think we've done a lot of what they call Spike Dislike. And <laughs> yeah. Maud called it Spike Spite. So there we go. We got some new terminology from the Discord. And you know what's so funny? I read that today and I laughed. I was like, yep, Spike Dislike is hilarious. But um, I had to say out loud Spike Spite. Spike spite. I had to say it like I literally was at my desk at work and I was like, Spike Spite. Like, because it was hard for me to say. But it's also super catchy. So thanks, everybody, for your fun contributions. And again, thanks, everybody, for coming along on this ride for us. We're going to get to our hot stakes now. But like this was a lot. And we warned everyone at the beginning that we we're going to critique this. But like w my thing at the end of this car, and I just want to get into this really quickly. I think just like in Fool for Love, are we supposed to feel bad for Spike that he got that door slammed in his face? I hope not. I think the fact that he looks so sad and confused and lonely and lost we're supposed to be like, oh, and I think that's what the writers are trying to do with that. Or maybe that's just James Marsters' performance. I don't think that we're supposed to feel that way. I think the writers are writing him, as I said earlier, as a very obvious, almost caricature of a misogynist. And I love that. You know, I don't think the writers are on board the Spuffy train at this point. I think the writers are saying this is unhealthy and toxic and we've dangled Spike in front of your face. And now we're like taking him back and reclaiming him for the side of bad. And I think this was important to do. And I, I bring that up because I know some people, I wonder if people thought because Riley left and Spike had a big part of Riley leaving that now that Buffy's single and at the beginning of the episode, she was looking sad that she was by herself. Maybe they're thinking that there's going to be some sort of Spike and Buffy hookup happening this season. And I think the writers here are just kind of shutting that down. They're like, oh, no. This guy's gross. <laughs> well, surely now that Buffy has finally told Spike no and slammed the door in his place, it can't possibly get any worse or any creepier, any dirtier than this, right? I think the next episode is going to be fine. Surely. <laughs> surely. Surely. Let's get to our hot stakes. Hot stake time. 
First hot stake is from Destiny, who wants to talk about the candles that were in Into the Woods. So you <laughs> yes. remember, Steph, oh, uh, Buffy came I home remember. from the hospital and Riley had created a small fire hazard in her <laughs> house. A romantic fire hazard. And we were like, well, what was going on with all the candles? And Destiny has the answer. Destiny said, my headcanon is that Riley went into the old, you know, the lair uh, of the master and took all the candles from there. <laughs> this is a deep cut, but you'll remember that back in season one, you and I kept remarking on the sheer number, the volume of candles in the master's lair, which now that I think about it, so I think at the time we were just wondering, like, who goes around lighting all those candles? Because <laughs> candles burn down fairly quickly. You got to keep replacing them. Also a fire hazard, especially for beings that are vulnerable quite a bit to fire. That must have made that layer uncomfortably hot. And what was the airflow situation? Because candles use oxygen. Yeah. And it was like half cave, half sewer. So I don't know. I don't know what's right? uh, there. There could have been some gases down there that you don't want to ignite. <laughs> um, there were more problems with that setup that I'm realizing now. We need to go back and re-record that season just for this. Okay, but do you also remember that in the sewers? We, we figured this out in season three uh, when Buffy and Faith went down there. But there's like often uh, baptism ponds. There's like there's like a lot of like sewer pools. <laughs> so maybe they use that yeah, to like why? ensure. Why? <laughs> Why do you have to utter these phrases? I never <laughs> needed to hear the phrase sewer pool. But remember, we were noticing there's so many down there. So maybe that's also been built down there to stop the candles from going out of control. Just there's a lot of going on underneath the, the ground, the surface of Sunnydale. <laughs> Thanks, Destiny. Allison wrote in about Into the Woods as well. Um, and uh, she says, I'm putting on my tinfoil hat for this one. Perfect, perfect. She says, y'all were wondering why the U.S. Army would care about a demon clan in another country. And my theories are the U.S. Army being involved in foreign demon affairs gives the U.S. a reason to be physically present in other countries. And they can do normal, nefarious, secret government things along with the demon hunting. Also, they could possibly use it as a leverage with other governments if maybe those governments aren't equipped to deal with the demons. I don't know. I'm American and our government does so many suspicious secret things. I wouldn't be surprised. Wait, you're telling me that the American government does fucked up shit outside of TV? America... Fuck yeah, <laughs> coming again to save the motherfucking day, yeah. Have you ever heard that song? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, that's too It's bad. okay, you, 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 you haven't heard the song that I was uh, gave you that wonderful spoken word rendition yeah. of at the start. You and I are just karaokeing today. Allison, pass me one of those tinfoil hats. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Uh, last hot stake is from M, and they also want to talk about Into the Woods, this time Anya. The whole scene with Anya, Willow, Giles, and Xander in the magic shop, Anya doesn't have her own friends, so she has to hang out with the Scoobies. She knows they don't like her, and they do make fun of her, usually in quite a personal way, particularly Willow, which must be hard to deal with in general. Then, they are in her workplace, which is the one thing she really has, aside from Xander, and she's very good at it. The first thing she's good at since being a vengeance demon, and undermining, and they're undermining and making fun of her. And then Xander doesn't stick up for her? When we see Willow and the other Scoobies in the store, they are often sitting around, or researching stealing inventory, which we saw in Triangle, or making fun of Anya. 
if this was any other workplace, she could get fired for her boyfriend's friend's bad behavior. I assume we're meant to feel like Willow and Anya are as bad as each other. But I feel so bad for Anya in these situations and have very little sympathy for Willow. Snap, snap, snap. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What an episode. And yeah, I'm sure next week will not be at all ranty for any reason (laughs) not none whatsoever i want to remind everybody again as we said at the beginning of the episode we are on an accelerated schedule so send in those hot stakes as early as you can or not or just send them in wherever you feel like it we'll see them (laughs) email is always better than um dms or instagram or any of that stuff especially as time goes on and i get more more and more baby brain so just Keep them coming, though. We love them. And thank you to all of our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. Louise, Nicola, Julian, Jordan, Brady, Kayla, Holly, and Lizzie. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. Also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.